This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week is Jonathan Dornbush, going, our bro? news editor. Sam Claiborne is here. Hey, everybody. And Philip Mewson, our Nintendo editor, is here as well. Scoop! Scoop. Back at you, Philip. <laughs> uh, we've got a great show for you guys this week. We're going to talk about a rumored new Xbox achievement system, maybe coming soon. Uh, we're going to talk about... The World Health Organization, believe it or not, uh, they have a new uh, ruling on uh, video game uh, addiction. But first. But first, this is the most pro-Sonic group we've (laughs) ever had on this show. Yeah. 75% of this panel likes Sonic the Hedgehog games. Guess the 25%. Yeah. (laughs) You like Sonic the Hedgehog games. Come on. I like them. Well, so I like Jonathan. Jonathan's wearing a, like a, an abstract Sonic the Hedgehog shirt. It's a really cool shirt. I like the aesthetics and like some of the music. <laughs> I don't have much fun playing any Sonic the Hedgehog game, though. Okay. Any? Not one, huh? Yeah. Oh. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we begin this week with. But second. We begin this week with uh, an interesting question that was uh, that arrived in the scoop mailbox this week, the scoop box as we call Ooh. it, from a mysterious listener known only as M, E M, and it's a question that uh, piqued my interest. And even after doing some research, I was not able to find a definitive answer for. All right. The question is: What is the largest dollar amount before something stops being a microtransaction? Ooh. Nice. I think everybody understands what microtransactions are, mm-hmm. but it is a good, uh, it is an interesting question. What's what, what's the the limit? Do you know about that app feeling? called uh, uh, Make Me Rich or I Am Rich? No. It was nine hundred ninety nine dollars, 
And the oh, guy sold yeah. six copies of it. That's really for nine hundred ninety nine dollars and made about six six grand. Wasn't the whole purpose of that app just to like make you feel rich? It's like, oh yeah, I can afford oh, yeah. this app, and it didn't do anything, right? Well, I, I don't, I don't, I think the app only gave this guy nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Oh, that was its main purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that's that all well for him. Yeah. I mean, it worked out, right? It worked out <laughs> exceedingly well. Yeah. I think there's like people out there that just buy every game, but maybe for like posterity's sake, like a library or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know why six people. I believe it, there's at did. least six people who do that. Yeah, and Apple got a cut too, but then yeah. they canceled it. I mean, what's the? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little answer. like off um, the whole mobile playground with like microtransactions and stuff like that. But I feel like the standard for the most part ranges from like 99 cents, which feels pretty micro, right? Like a 99 cents microtransaction versus like a hundred dollars, like 99 dollars or something like that. That to me doesn't feel micro anymore. Yeah. So, but it's been going on since I feel like the beginning of microtransactions. So. Yeah, so horse armor. How much did horse yeah. armor cost Ooh. in Oblivion? Wasn't it like two ninety nine? Yeah, I think it was three or four dollars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it was something like that. Uh, but if 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 a piece of DLC costs ten dollars, is that mm. still a microtransaction? If it's nine ninety nine. Well, so, so is the piece of DLC you're saying is it an add-on to the experience? Yes. Because to me, it's sort of about like the what the content is. Because I've seen like story DLC that ranges from like yeah. three or four dollars. Like, we wouldn't call that a microtransaction. No, you would just call that a DLC add-on to yeah. me. Like if it is a b- big enough story add-on or gameplay add-on to that extent, that's or not an a entire game could be two ninety nine. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, plenty of mobile <laughs> games are ninety nine cents. That's yeah. an and iPhone microtransaction game, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. the, the official, the definition for microtransaction <clears throat> describes it as a very small financial transaction conducted online. Hmm. Very small, but still this is not very specific. Yeah. Cause yeah. normally you would say it has to be in game. It has to be something that doesn't fundamentally change the game is usually something frivolous, right? Like horse armor. Yeah. yeah. Although my horse is getting its butt kicked before I got that horse armor. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not so frivolous for him. Yeah. yeah. Right. How does the horse feel about it? <laughs> but it sounds like to you, to us, uh, it's more about what the content is than the price. I think that plays a part of it, but also to me, a microtransaction, like I would not spend $80 for a single piece of in-game content. Per well, it doesn't se. matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, but we're not talking about whether or not you would pay No, that. sure. I do, like that in my mind is not a microtransaction at that point. That's just yeah. I'm buying a thing in the game. Mm-hmm. Like that is a... So if it's a thing in the game, it's a shirt. It costs yes. 99 cents. Yeah. That's a microtransaction. 99 cents, yes. But if it's yeah. the same thing, if it yeah. costs $80, yeah. now, it's, now it's not a microtransaction. I think I, then it's a newsworthy microtransaction. Yeah, yeah I feel that like- is someone, yeah, it, I, you could argue, I think on the content side, that is still a microtransaction. It's just an absurdly expensive microtransaction. I, I feel like yeah. in order for it to qualify as a microtransaction, it needs to at least cost less than the game itself did. Oh, that's okay. interesting. Okay. You know, because like for a game, for a game to come out and cost $30 but then have microtransactions leading up to like $80 would mm-hmm. be insane. Like that's not clearly micro anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. If macro some, transaction. What if macro, there's just yeah. one microtransaction? What do you mean? Like if a game only has one thing for sale, is that a microtransaction? But I mean, you tell me again, like what if it's $70? Yeah. <laughs> Can things be less than 99 cents anywhere anymore? Uh, I, I, no, I don't. I thought, legally, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think it's illegal to make a forty-nine cent microtransaction. Yeah. Gum costs at least five dollars these days. What if you put out a knockoff of a game that has a bunch of ninety-nine cent microtransactions, but you made them all ninety-five cents? Yeah, well, I don't. That might be smart. Isn't that a good business plan? <laughs> yeah, that might be but maybe it's not allowed. 
feel like Sam's coming away with a business idea more than anything <laughs> from this show. That's just... I don't know. I see some weird prices on the eShop all the time showing up for random stuff. Really? Like, yeah. I like mean, like a dollar eighty-seven and stuff like that. Yeah, like a dollar sixty-five or something like really? that for some things. Yeah. So huh. it's just it's very strange. So I wouldn't hold it past them. To I gotta see. look up the rules for that. I'm pretty interested yeah. now. Now can, can I sell stuff for thirty three cents on iTunes? I don't think so. Mm. <sighs> yeah, I don't look at it that closely. Mm. I don't know. I, I I feel like we should uh, we should do our best to uh, come up with a standard because there isn't one right now. Okay. And yeah. I think we would be providing society a great benefit if we could determine right now what the largest dollar amount is. Okay. When a microtransaction ceases being micro, I think maybe seven ninety nine. I like that's the number that. Sounds good in my mind. Okay, seven ninety nine. Is that still micro to you guys? I think it has to be four ninety nine and under. Okay, that's I like more that. than five dollars. Doesn't seem frivolous anymore. I bought Psychonauts for two fifty. Is that a micro transaction? Wow, yeah. that's very cheap. Yeah, it's I feel style. like under five dollars makes sense. Okay, to qualify as a micro transaction. A cup of coffee is a micro transaction. Coffee costs five dollars. You get a latte yeah. at Blue Bottle. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Oh yeah. yeah. That's pretty standard. Dollar Specialty nuts. drinks at Starbucks are like eight dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what coffee are you drinking? I don't drink coffee. You drink espresso on the weekend. Yeah, and that's usually like what dollar eighty five. Where do you get your espresso? Uh, I feel like espresso has got to be more than two dollars. Really? I don't think so. It depends on how many shots you get. Yeah, mm-hmm. one shot is usually under two dollars. Wow. Well. Look at what the prices are for a lot. So, so that means when you add <laughs> two pints of milk, it's eight dollars. Yep. Is that how it works? Uh, yeah, but it's not two pints of milk <laughs> for those big old Starbucks. Well, drinks. maybe for the yeah. Ventis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trentas. Okay, I'm gonna move. Moving forward, I'm going to consider. Would you call an espresso a microtransaction? Yes, in the coffee in the coffee world, right? You could definitely so, yeah. rack so like, up some decent microtransactions. A micro ordering coffee, right? Starbucks. Because you have your co- coffee. Yes. Or you basically have your whipped cream and your corn syrup and your milk. Yeah. And then each microtransaction you add is a shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. true. And it's under five dollars. Yeah. Okay. Moving forward, I'm going to consider a microtransaction to be under five dollars. Or something. I invite frivolous. everyone. I invite everyone to conform to the standard. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll clear a lot of things up. Uh, moving on, we've got a story on IGN this week about a rumored new achievement system coming to Xbox. Uh, making some, uh, I don't know if you call them improvements, but some interesting new features to the whole achievement system. Uh, so we've got some details here. This, this is leaked. It's not official yet, but the new system would be called Career. And it would be added to your Xbox, your current you know, Xbox uh, achievements, adding leveling, quests, and loot for your avatars. And then completing achievements will contribute towards your gamertag level and leveling up rewards players with loot boxes containing cosmetic items for your avatar. Uh, And then career will also apparently include quests, which rewards players with more XP and loot boxes for doing specific things, such as maybe playing a specific game. And this would be in line with what uh, Xbox platform corporate VP Mikey Barra said uh, last year when they said Microsoft was looking to fundamentally change how achievements work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So first of all, how does the career system sound to you guys? I like it. I'm a so I don't really collect achievements anymore, but I am still a big <coughs> trophies person mm. on PlayStation, and I like it more than achievements because there is a leveling system to it. Yeah, it, and it kind of reminded me of the trophies. Yeah, system. it feels a little more like that. And there's it's all arbitrary percentage points, and like a bronze, a silver, a 
gold and a platinum will get you so much for each level you're at and it changes as you go up. But I always liked that aspect of it more than just I have a number of 40,000 achievements. It's cool to look at that number, but something about gamifying the achievements made me more interested in that platform. Yeah. So I would 100% try this out more. Yeah. Uh, how about you guys? Yeah, um, Microsoft has always sort of, in my in my opinion, led the way of like achievements or trophies. Like they were really the first to sort of take that um, angle with video games yeah. with the release of the 360. And I, when I, when that came out at first, like when they released achievements, I was a huge achievement hunter. I really yeah. tried to like build up my gamer yeah. score. It got us. Yeah, got yeah, us. it really did. Yeah. It hooked me in. Um, so I just am really excited to see what Microsoft comes up with, like a career sort of mode for gathering achievements yeah. um, or whatever they're calling it. Sounds really interesting to me. And if anything, I think that that'll just be more compelling for people to actually dive in there and build up their gamer scores. And especially if they're going to try to do that, I think it would be smart for them to um, go down a similar route with what Sony did and sort of add value to gaining achievements. Like maybe you could rack up some um, gift cards for Xbox Live or something like that, you know, win some free um skins or whatever in games or avatar customization options i think that would be really cool yeah so, yeah. yeah for sure i like this a lot i think uh adding more of a or enhancing the progression system the meta game of your console i think uh, Do you think they want to push people to play certain releases well that's what you know this uh the quests aspect kind of sounds like yeah Although I don't know, it's it's a little because otherwise you have to make quests for every game, and then there's yeah. achievements. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. So it seems like they're going to do like maybe tied into the free games of the month. Yeah. yeah. Like or go it, into this game and do this, and you get extra or different genres or publishers, even depending mm -hmm. if they want to do partnerships. Yeah, and I, then I'm worried about tying it all to the avatars because I still think the avatars are really generic, and I don't I don't personally like how they look. Yeah. Um, and then I also don't care about mine. Whereas like I felt a little bit more strongly about my me back in the day on the yeah. Wii. But I still like, I don't know, I don't like any of those kind of avatar situations, but I do have already have like gear and like a portal cube and stuff like that yeah. for my yeah. avatar. I don't know how much I'd ever care about that again though. I guess it would just depend on what that what those uh, cosmetic items are. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I have no idea. Are yeah. they cool or are they not cool? If they're I cool, mean, I'm interested in them. And Nintendo made video games for and starring your me. Yeah. And then I really like the 3DS Street Pass games when they first came out. I thought those were super cool. And, you know, there was, was like the RPGs Microsoft and stuff. I was wondering if this might imply that there might be some actual games that you kind of... They uh, were for a while using them. While. Some right. Kinect games, 1 vs. Yeah. 100, which was so ahead of its time. It's basically, right. yeah. it's basically HQ right yeah. now. Yeah. Totally. 1 vs. 100. Yeah. Uh, 1 vs. 100 was awesome. That game was so much right. fun. It was yeah. ahead of its time. But like you were saying with the meta of it all, like I love knowing the stats of how much I've played certain games or what I've done in certain games. Yeah. So tying that more into and having that be visible and give me some sort of reward, I'm totally down for that. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. I think it was either a Kingdom for Keflings or yeah, a that World one. for Keflings, the sequel, where you could play as your avatar. Yeah, well, one of the Keflings. Yeah. Yeah. And you know Rare designed all of that stuff. Yes. They, right. did yeah. they did the avatar. And I don't know how involved Rare is still with that. But yeah. You, know, you don't hear much about them anymore. If they were unleashed, I'm sure Rare could come up with some cool stuff because yeah, they've always made true. cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if these quests, uh, would they be used for, um, you know, say... Dishonored, Death of the Outsider didn't do quite as well as we'd hoped. Right. Let's come up with some quests to yeah. entice yeah. So people to play people the game. Yeah. Games, yeah. Yeah. Especially if they're discounted already. Maybe people would buy them. I don't know. Yeah, you would think, yeah. It's about, there is definitely a narcissistic, like darker side of this, of it using it as a marketing tool yeah. and like gamifying people's game habits to get data that you can then apply to new games. Like if you notice people are. Uh, attracted to certain quests or certain things in the career mode, maybe you gear your game to be more like that. 
so people will yeah. be more inclined to play it. Like that's that's the darker aspect of this. But yeah, I wonder if this will affect games like that have already been released, or if this is just for like newer games moving forward. Because if it does affect all of the games, then essentially it could you know make or allow people to travel back into the backlog and replay yeah. games that maybe they've 100 percented but they haven't completed like these little quests that are yeah. now available so yeah. be interesting to see how that works out yeah again this isn't uh, none of this is official yet but uh i don't know i do like how this is all sounding and it might uh it might get me to spend a little more time on my xbox you know the xbox there are lots of great games on xbox the problem is that you can play those same games on pc and ps4 most of the time so mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of like there isn't a uh, a lot of reasons why you should, you know, if you're picking a console, why you should pick an Xbox. Uh, but having a very unique achievement system like this is a really good reason, I think. For uh, sure. A key, could be a key selling point. Uh, we actually have a, an email about this very topic from Dave from Chicago. He hey, emailed Dave. us at the email address, gamescoop <laughs> at IGN.com. And he says, Damon, I finally read the book Console Wars that you have mentioned many times on the podcast, and it was incredible. It's a really good book. Once again, uh, I can't recommend that book enough. During my reading, I got to thinking, Sega collapsed for so many reasons, one of them being that they really only relied on one great console exclusive, Sonic. Uh, Of course, there were many great exclusives for the Sega Genesis, but I think in in terms of their marketing, you really only saw Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, before that, there was a boxing game, and they really doubled down sports stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, that was the... in the 16-bit era, that was the we don't place to play sports keep games. playing sports games from that era now because there's annualized sports games. But yeah. it was that was a big deal on the Genesis. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people switched from Nintendo to Sega for that reason. Uh, Dave says, although I think it is unlikely that Microsoft will ever leave the console market, do you think having so few great console exclusives could really hurt them in the future? Uh, and Dave, well, I think it's hurting them. I think it's been hurting them this entire generation. I think it's been oh, yeah. a pretty big problem for Microsoft. Would you guys agree? But don't you think it was their same problem with the 360, but for some reason it wasn't a problem? No, because the 360 was the most popular console of that But did the exclusives era. make it that way? Uh, it's like a... It was Xbox Live, really, It's like a right? self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. It's like... Well, exclusives shouldn't be. The third-party game should be the self-fulfilling prophecy. Because as soon as you're popular, then more third parties... But it all, it all like, feeds into each other. Yeah. yeah. The more popular I, you are, the more... doesn't Microsoft exclusives make you get first-party games? Like, they can still... Nothing's stopping them from doing that. That's They just don't have a lot of studios, right? Yeah, well, and they, t- they took a bit of an off year, but I mean, like, especially with the early 360, like things like the massive success of Halo at that time, which obviously is still a big franchise, but yeah. when it was Halo 2 and 3, it was like the biggest thing in gaming at that time. And yeah. I think that brought a lot of people so to So Halo, Ninja Gaiden, uh, Fable, those yeah. were like the kind of the biggest core exclusives, you think? In the early days. And like Gears of War stuff like that. Gears of War 360, absolutely, Gears of War. And some of those continue to be made, but yeah, it is a little bit strange that... Those aren't the most popular games on the system now. Third-party games are. Yeah, you know, for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what, what's you know what on the horizon in terms of first-party exclusives for Microsoft? There's only Sea of Thieves, Crackdown mm-hmm. Three, whatever. You know, Forza is always. You know, yeah, and then there's the yeah. smaller. Maybe Halo Six at some point. I mean, Ori, right? Was always a yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting newer but game for the, them. But the thing is, all these games are also on PC. Yes. So that's that's the thing. That's again goes back to what I was saying. Like, what's what's the reason you have to have an Xbox? Right. You know? Good for the game developers to have things <coughs> exactly. on multiple platforms, yeah. Yeah. especially in, in the Steam era. But uh, 
yeah, it's tough on the Xbox. It just seems like Microsoft lately has been favoring their support. I don't know if it's like on purpose, willingly, uh, but they've really been pushing their support more so than ever towards third parties. Like, look at the Xbox One X. It's like a third party machine, you know? Yeah. And that's really what they wanted to promote it as, is like the place to play um, all of the greatest third party games. So mm-hmm. I just feel like that's where Microsoft has all their eggs right now. And it might be because like, you know, the previous years didn't quite plan out how they wanted to, like with the cancellation of Scalebound. I know that was a yeah. big bummer for a lot of people. So uh, Phantom Dust also, right? Well, it, no, that, that came did, out. That did come out. Yeah. But it was just so like underwhelming, yeah. you know, because it was almost like a direct port of the original game with just like up graphics. And it didn't really look that great. And it, but it played, it played just like the original, and I'm a huge Phantom Dust fan, so it made me happy. Um, I would have much rather seen like a new, a newer Phantom Dust, but yeah. whatever. You know? One thing Microsoft just doesn't have that Sony and Nintendo have, and this is just because of what the industry is like, is they don't have big Japanese support. And there's yeah. there's crazy weird Japanese games all the time on Sony systems, and then and in Nintendo too. And I don't think Microsoft yeah, benefits well, from that as yeah. much. They almost had Scalebound. Yeah, for sure. And and they had, yeah. you know, back in the day, Blue Dragon, stuff like that. They're, but there oh, were yeah. always big attempts to yeah. do a big exclusive, whereas, like, Nino Kuni 2 happening on PS4 is, like, a natural. Like, nobody would ever question that. Yeah, what were those And Decidia early... now is coming for just PS4. Yeah. It's not coming for Xbox. And, yeah, and there's just exactly. a little bit more yeah. Japanese support for these Japanese systems. What were those early Japanese games for the 360? You mentioned Blue Dragon. Was it 99? Oh, Blue Dragon, yeah. Knights? Was that another one, too? Yeah. That yeah. was another one, too. And was that like... Capcom? There was one on like three discs, right? Well, well, Capcom yeah. did Dragon's Dogma as an Xbox exclusive too, <sighs> and then, then there was there was Lost Planet. That was an early Capcom game. Oh yeah, when Capcom yes. was doing a few of those games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there was Dead Rising yeah. at the beginning, mm-hmm. and that was exclusive. Resident Evil Five. There other no, RPGs. I bet that was. On, I think that was a multiplayer. Yeah. yeah, there were other RPGs that were. You're right. Really in yeah. Blue Dragon was the one though, and then yeah. it, it was a big Most deal because it was like, hey, this yeah. is this going to sell Xboxes? Remember at the time, it was like ten thousand Xboxes sold in a month. Remember that in Japan? Yeah. It was like just nothing. Well, yeah. Well, I and don't know that it's much better today. But I do yeah, remember. No, well, that's a problem. I remember going <laughs> really to TGS is. and Xbox having a booth there mm-hmm. and like throwing parties. Uh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. They did try to make a big push for a while, but I think they've receded back. But you, you see like the <clears throat> ping pong back and forth of the industry where like obviously PlayStation was beating Xbox the, with the PS2 versus the original Xbox. Then 360 sure. dominated. Now PS4 is dominating and Switch is rising up. Like everything just keeps going back and forth. Who's to say where things are in five years? Yeah. Like, it's true. And Nintendo's just doing his own thing. Yeah. Chilling out over there. Nintendo's doing I mean, great. Just doing just fine. We've got some good numbers for Nintendo this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, showing that their, you know, their sales are better than Wii U already, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think lifetime sales of the Switch in Japan have already have, outsold the Wii yeah. U. Yeah. And it yeah. was probably their best exclusives year ever. It is yes. officially yeah. the yeah. fastest selling console in U.S. history. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. good job, Strange. Nintendo. Yeah. Great first year. Remains to be seen what they're going to, you know... What they're going to wow us with in year two? No kidding. But I'm anxious. Can't wait to know. I will please be excited. I hope it's not. We don't have to wait till E3. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long way. Hopefully away. not. Uh, all right, moving on. This is Kevin, uh, and he says recently, the World Health Organization officially classified gaming addiction as a disease. I firmly believe anything can be addicting, and if it interferes with your life in a negative way, you should probably avoid it. So I guess my question is, do you guys agree that gaming addiction is is a disease? Also, if it is a disease, do game developers have any responsibility in helping those who are addicted? And what can we do as gamers to help those who compulsively play video games? 
Uh, so yeah, it says uh, I, I did, did, just read did a little reading this week, and the International Classification of Diseases uh, will include the condition gaming disorder mm. in its list Ooh. of diseases, the database of diseases. Whether or not we agree, I don't I think don't think I think that's irrelevant. Yeah, we, it's already been decided <laughs> by people much more qualified. We can't, yeah. we can't influence the classification of the WHO than we are. Uh, but what about the to the question is do game developers have any responsibility in helping those who are addicted? And that I don't know, that I don't know about. It's, it's a like should inflicted disease. Should like video games start having like a warning on them like like packs of cigarettes do or something yeah. like that like may cause like video game addiction yeah. or something like that may cause you to lose friends and It's hard that. because like it's it's a little bit more passive than other things that you can also be addicted to like you know you, you, people don't just get addicted to substances. Yeah. You get addicted to a lot of things and it's just you know if something's interfering with your life it's one thing. But you know, that's that's what you define as addiction as, right? It's like mm -hmm. you, you are not doing work properly or not going to school because it's interfering. We've all kind of touched that probably with games before. You're like, because they have a quality to them well, yeah. that makes them addictive almost intentionally. And, you know, where that crosses the line is when they're charging microtransaction money yeah. a lot. And uh, potentially, you know, I think that's the only way where maybe there there'd be some responsibility on the developer's part. Yeah. But that's only when their intention is like 100% like, let's get people addicted and sell them a lot of things. Yes. Like yeah. that doesn't seem like game development at that point, right? It seems like something else. The last thing I want to do is like play a game for 30 minutes and then after 30 minutes a message pops up and the game's telling me to take a break. Like you've yeah, played enough of this game now. Like I don't feel like developers... What if you have to pay to <laughs> do 30 more minutes? Yeah, I know. Put a dollar in. A whole in different type of microtransaction. Oh, no. That's a mess. Um, but yeah, I feel like developers as far as like you know preventing things like developing addictions or people gaining addictions from their video games I don't think that that's the developers responsibility until it becomes a problem with certain games um, because I mean the whole point is to for a game is to hook the player it's to keep the player playing and well, especially engaged with certain types of games like games of service right, right? yeah I think that's only a certain classification of type of game because plenty of games want you to experience a narrative that the Artists intended. Exactly. They it's don't like, want you to yeah. play that game it's like forever. How many people are addicted to Uncharted 4? Yeah. Right? Or Hellblade. Like it's, it's not the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I think yeah. a lot of online games, uh, games of service, MMOs, you know what's, and It's shooters. funny, though. Like those type of games all come from arcades, right? And the Which whole idea, uh, what you're kind of talking about, where it's like quick gratification, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, level, 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 score, score, score. And those games, like the history of games that started in arcades, it, yeah. the whole intention is to addict people. Because they want you to play, I think the goal was always about two minutes per quarter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you have to like the game enough to keep on playing, uh, to put in another quarter, but it also has to kill you fast enough that you have to put in that other quarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And right. like the whole arcade industry was kind of built on feeding that type of addiction, which which is like, that's the roots of video games. And it's great now that we have whole types of games that are not like that. And you can play Uncharted, you know, and it just has nothing to do with that type of gaming. Yeah. But that's what, you know, really, that's when you start feeling that addictive <laughs> quality of the games. And I'd be curious to know more about, like, what they classify, like, the gaming disorder and the ways that you are addicted to a game. Like, the specific aspects of it that they believe cause the addiction. Like, that is the only point at which you were saying, like, if a developer is causing you to spend money more because that's the inherent thing by tricking you essentially into spending money over and over again that's like where does it cross gambling lines at that point which is what a lot of yeah, people have been discussing i linked those two things boxes. but the who yeah. does it they yeah. just say yeah. it's playing something that distracts you from you know uh 
work or, or, yeah. or School other or obligations. I mean, is there a Netflix binging addiction then at that yeah, point? For sure. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's to, the yeah. thing, right? I mean, like, the addiction can come in so many different forms. Yeah, and absolutely. It's really only defined by whether it interferes with your life. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think having it officially recognized uh, is like, uh, I guess, it just makes it easier for people to get treatment. Mm-hmm. Right, it's more it's more legitimized. And yeah, yeah. You'll, you may start seeing more uh, resources. It freaks out up. parents more. Freaks out parents more. Yeah. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> um, okay. Well, hopefully our uh, listeners and viewers all game responsibly, and none of them are actually addicted. This is Eric in Iowa. Woot. Eric says, "I always oh, enjoy, guys. I always enjoy listening to the show. It makes my commute to and from work breeze by." One of my favorite segments is always your responses to the listener emails. And last week's email about being introduced to video games as a new medium was really interesting to me. Sam, last week we heard from a 16-year-old that had just discovered video games. 16-year-old from uh, China cool. yeah. who'd moved to Australia. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, video games are awesome. Yeah, that's oh. really neat. Uh, where was I? Damn, you made me lose my place. <laughs> Between that email and it still being close to the new year, it got me thinking about several of my video game firsts. I don't necessarily mean the first game I played, but the first time a game introduced me to a new mechanic. Uh, Or refined a mechanic so well, it changed the way I judged it in the future. For example, I picked up The Elder Scrolls Oblivion purely because it was $20, and I thought the cover art looked cool. I had never played an open world game before, and I will never forget the feeling I had walking out of the sewer and realizing I could start walking in any direction I wanted. As someone who had only played games like Halo or Call of Duty... Realizing a video game didn't need to be structured into a lot of different levels forever forever changed how I looked how I looked at games. So my question is, does the panel have any games that introduced them to a new mechanic or showed them video games could do something they never even thought possible? For me, I'm always I mean, it'll always be Mario 64. Probably. Um, sure. Like the real, probably the first time I played a 3D video game and moved a character around in a 3D space, mm-hmm. moved the character uh, the camera around. That was pretty mind blowing to me. My most recent one was roguelikes. Like when I yeah. first played Spelunky well, and Rogue Legacy, yeah, I I I was shocked that you could rearrange a level to be so compellingly awesome yeah. mm-hmm. randomly each time. Dude, I've gotten back into Spelunky lately. I've been doing <laughs> the daily challenge. I've heard you talking to Andrew about it. Yeah, yeah. what is the daily challenge? It's uh, you can only play it once a day. Yeah, and uh, it's it's based on your score. The leaderboards are based on your score. You mm-hmm. can see like uh, how it far it gives you, you equipment. Well, no, it's just the same. You've played Splunky. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so it's just the same. It's Splunky. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the same level layout, and everyone gets one chance every day. Oh, I see. So it's the, the it doesn't randomize the level for it's, everybody. Yeah, it's randomized for everyone. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so I just play, I play that. Two games I play every single day, Hearthstone and Splunky. Nice. That's really cool. Um, you guys? I'd have to say for me, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna reach real deep for yeah. this one. Um. But uh, a mechanic that I really enjoyed in a video game is, and I'm not even sure if this really even qualifies for a mechanic, but um, Dance Dance Revolution, you know, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. playing on that mat in the arcades for the first time. Yeah. Um, that game actually really grabbed me. I was a huge fan. Oh, I was yeah. I was that guy at the arcade, like lining up quarters as soon as I was nice. getting off the machine. <laughs> um, and I lost. Do you I, thing where you hold the bar behind you so you can go faster? No, I mean, losers <laughs> did that. I didn't need the bar. You didn't need the bar? <laughs> no, I was doing spins. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I actually lost a significant amount of weight playing that game. I was oh, like that's 20 really cool. pounds. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that had to it's be... Like, I was trying to think. That's like a specific time. When, when did DDR first arrive? It was like late 90s? 
I think I, yeah. I think early, early 2000s, yeah. late yeah. 90s, yeah. I yeah. just feel like there was a time when big arcade machines like that and like uh, like there was like Drum Mania, mm -hmm. Beat Mania, which is like the DJ game. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a there guitar There was a guitar hero. one. Yeah. Uh, I forget what they're called. But yeah, yeah, there was like all of these like big music arcade games that was a yeah. big thing for a while. And they're like mall arcades. And yeah. then really the home home video, you know, music games came home after. Uh, what's the uh, Taiko Drum Master? Yeah, I love oh. that. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, um, Guitar Hero did that for me at home. Was yeah. that thing of like, oh wow, this is like I never really had played rhythm games, and then I got Guitar Hero two, and I just did not stop playing rhythm games till now. I still play. Yeah, <laughs> our own rock band came out, and just the, the the idea that you could have four people in a room and have so much fun. Yeah, basically karaoke. I was gonna say yeah, it was like what a cool mechanic that a, was. A few like multiplayer benchmarks for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a new mechanic, but like Halo two defined the way that I started looking at gaming online with friends. Mm -hmm. uh, rock band was playing with friends together mm -hmm. uh, because it was such a unique experience. And then Journey was playing with strangers, like learning to play a game where I didn't know a person and having to communicate with them despite not actually being able to talk to them which was such a unique way to approach multiplayer for me that I loved. Mm. I think there have been a few other games that let you insert a photo of yourself into the game, but Rainbow Six Vegas, I think, was the first <laughs> game that did it really well. Uh, and I had a lot of fun playing Rainbow Six Vegas with friends with, with like crazy faces on our characters. Just four player split screen on yeah. Mar on N64 was a big jump. Mm. Yeah. Remember that being yeah. like, oh, now I can play with just four oh, controllers yeah. and yeah. play it once. And then, I mean, yeah, speaking of that, <coughs> I'm pretty sure Perfect Dark was like the first multiplayer shooter uh, I ever played also. Mm. 64. I was thinking one of like some of the wackier side of mechanics that like really were cool is when um, I think this is mainly in the PlayStation uh, game PlayStation 2 GameCube era, but uh, when Metal well no sorry I have to think about this <laughs> Metal Gear Solid had yes. Psycho Mantis talking yes. about your save files. Yes, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I that like blew my mind. Right. And I I only played that sorry on the GameCube later. That's why I was getting confused there. But also on the GameCube Eternal Darkness. Like it did stuff where it like turned down your volume, mm -hmm. yeah. and like the actual volume meter that it had like was mine on my television at the time. <laughs> it was a coincidence. It was really yeah. cool, but it also looked at your save files and did all kinds of stuff with that. Yeah. And I love games breaking the the fourth wall. That was yeah. like really really cool new thing when that happened. Yeah, surely there's old NES games that broke the fourth wall. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. But yeah, the save files thing for Psychomantis is like the coolest thing ever. It was, it was awesome. There's a game that came out. I don't want to spoil what it is, but there's a game that breaks the fourth wall that came out last year mm -hmm. uh, that we all kind of fell in love with, and I think that was such an awesome implementation of that. Yeah, but I don't want to say what it is. <laughs> I know what it is. Yep, we've talked about it on this show. And it's time for a scoop, Jim. A real scoop, Jim. I've been reading this book, Retro Game Super Translation Selection. <laughs> uh, it's very entertaining. It's a collection of uh, not, you know, obviously there's a lot of famous examples of bad video game translation. Mm -hmm. All your base are belong to us. Yeah. And but this book is actually and that guy's on the cover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This book is actually more about uh, just interesting uh, translation decisions, and it goes into oh. why they may have been made. So mm -hmm. it's not just like, hey, look at this hilarious. Yeah. Uh, is that game called Zero Wing? I feel asleep. Uh, the game Zero Wing. Zero Wing. I think yeah. so. The Dude, I feel asleep is so confusing because it's the exact opposite <laughs> of what that guy is doing. <laughs> I know it's so good. Uh, the first one in here I thought was super interesting. This is Miracle Warriors, a Sega Master System game. I've never oh. played it. It's mm -hmm. an RPG for the Sega Master System yeah. from the eighties. I can safely say nobody here has played that game. <laughs> uh, so in the Japanese version, when you go into a shop and you ask to buy something, in the mm -hmm. Japanese version, the shopkeeper says it comes to two thousand guilders. Is that fine? 
right? So yeah, it's like, do you agree to this right. price? Yeah. In the American version, it says, is 2,000 guilders too steep? But so like huh. they just, they flipped the whole meaning of the question, but they didn't change like the input that you would, of the yes or no. Weird. That's, that understand? implies bargaining. Yeah, yeah. it's kind That's of a mind thing, bender. Yeah, one thing yeah. is saying, do you agree to this price? Mm-hmm. And the other one is saying, is this too expensive? But you're both, you know, in the American version, if you said, yes, it's too expensive, then you would buy it. I yeah. feel like that probably has to do with, like, the localization team. I mean, yeah. I you mean, know what I mean? Back then in the 80s, I guarantee you. Like, they're just trying to appeal more to the American or Western yeah. audience. I think localization team is a strong word for yeah. the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too. Like they, okay. yeah. It was being localized like in Japan, I'm almost 100% positive. And, yeah, yeah. They, just, they make all sorts of mistakes like this. But I thought yeah. that was fascinating that in the translation, it ended up you, 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 would, you, could, you would just play the game wrong. You know, it like prevented you from actually successfully making a transaction at the shop. Miracle Warriors. As I continue to read. The I Feel Asleep, by the way, is from Metal Gear, the original NES version. And the guy is actually saying, I fell asleep because he's woken back up again. Yes. And if you walk past him, you're going to get in trouble. So him saying, I feel asleep, <laughs> means that you think you can sneak past him because he's yeah. about to fall asleep. So it's the exact opposite meaning. Oh, my God. I wonder if Metal Gear is in here. I was just, I was just trying to look. <coughs> I feel mm. asleep. Metal Gear is too mainstream for this book, Sam. Mm. Okay. Uh, as I read more of Retro Game Super Translation Selection, I'll, I'll share some good ones with you. Yeah. And that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Alan in Norfolk, Virginia. Let the questioning begin. Jonathan. You want me to begin? All right. Uh, did this came, game come out before January 1st, 2000? No. Okay. Did this game come out after January 1st, 1990? Between 90 and 2000, he's asking. Hold on, hold on. You, you said, I asked if it came out before then, so we know it's not before 2000. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Yes, <laughs> yeah. okay, sorry. After um, January 1st, 2010. You're right. Did the game come out after January 1st, 2010? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. okay. So it's between 2000 and 2010. 2010. All right. Shaky start there. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell, we need your help. <laughs> Does the character wear a hat? What year is it? No, we're not asking that. <laughs> oh, man, no. We could, we could ask that if we want. Mm. I'm not actually stopping no. us from asking it. Um, so uh, is, this on, is this a console exclusive? Yes. Is this on a PlayStation console? No. Same question, Nintendo. Yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, Nintendo exclusive. That could be in a lot of systems, though. 3DS, yeah. DS, DU. Should we do handheld or home? Wii, Wii to... U, GB. Do you... Oh, that's a good one. Oh, okay. Um, is this a handheld game? Yes. Okay. Handheld oh, we're getting Nintendo there. exclusive. Sounds like Nintendogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we do GBA or DS then at that point? Yeah. Okay. Uh, or is... 3DS, right? Yeah. Mm. Is this from a system with two screens? No. Okay, GBA. Uh, we did eliminate. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, so, a GBA game from the 2000s. That's a little bit later. Yeah. Um, it's console exclusive. Is this made by Nintendo? Are you asking? If this Is this game- published by Nintendo? Yes. It was published. Right. So now we know it's not made developed by Nintendo, <laughs> but it's published by Nintendo. <laughs> Uh, do you play as a human being in this game? Uh, I don't think so. I'm, I mean, I feel pretty confident, but... So the answer is no. 
I don't think okay. you play as a, a human, human being. Would you call them a human? I mean, does, I don't want to waste another question, but a humanoid? Can we change it to humanoid? Like oh. something that looks like a human, almost? Uh, you, you, I think that's a separate mm, question. All right, yeah. never mind. All right. Okay, so. But you can ask it. I don't care. Um, so I'm thinking there's like Advance Wars and there's yeah. Golden Sun. Is that Ooh. Him? Like, yeah. Well, no, no. Sorry. I'm. Golden going Sun down, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going down a weird track. There. Is this game developed by Nintendo? I just want to get that out. No. Okay. okay. That's so, 10. So okay. th- that's a pretty big hint because it's not going to be like a Mario game or a Wario game yeah. or something like that. But it could be Zelda still mm-hmm. because oh, the Capcom Zelda. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do we want to just go for Capcom to rule it out? Or Yeah, sure. Was this game developed by Capcom? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it Does the main character's hat... Uh, play a big role in this game. Yes. <laughs> but we didn't ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I was avoiding the exact question. Yeah. If someone else would like to ask it. Um, Even though we know. <laughs> I, we could keep going until the 19th question. Just I'm to- just trying to reconcile this with is Link a human? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that is maybe debatable. Some people say Link is an elf or something. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess you could go either He's direction. a Hylian for sure. Right? He's sure. a Hylian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Should we just go for Are it? Are you a Hylian in this game? Yes. All right. It's got to be Boktai. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Is this The Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap? It is. Yay. Congratulations. Yeah. So, I th- mean, the tricky thing is there is getting to the publishing question. We could have screwed that up badly. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I feel like made by, yeah, I just want to clarify. Do you yep. mean yeah. developed or published? Well, how weird is it that Capcom just straight up made a Zelda game? But they made two others. Yeah. Three uh, Zelda for games. Or the Game Boy Color, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They made at least Oracle yeah. of Seasons. Yeah. And then you've got. Yeah, uh, what, love those games. Yeah, great you got, games. What Koei Tecmo making uh, the uh, Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's yeah. precedence for that. Um, but he's an elf, right? No one, no humans don't have pointy ears. <laughs> no, they call him a Hylian in all the okay. recent games. But he's not. <laughs> is he a human with pointy ears? <laughs> yeah, but doesn't everything have pointy ears in that world? So like the basic, I think everybody mm. has pointy ears. Mm. Well, we know he's not a fairy child because in. And Ocarina of Time, everybody else doesn't grow up, but he does. That's and, true. Yeah, because he grows up in this town. He's wearing their oh. garb and everything, but they're like, "You're not one of us." No, Pikachu lays that all out. Yeah, <laughs> I think you answered it correctly. I don't because I'm. I think there's a fine line between human and Hylian. So I'm sure the uh, listeners and viewers will have <clears throat> some thoughts to share on the matter. <laughs> yes, look forward to reading your comments. Uh, 2005 was when that was released on the GBA, which sounds late, but yeah, I, I guess. It does sound like pretty recent, right? Two thousand. I mean, when that wasn't that the year that the DS was released, or was oh, it five or oh six? Or was it oh four? The DS was already out when this no. Minish Cap came out. It's hard for me to. Yeah. It's hard. For, it's hard to remember. remember Nobody the, knows. the DS had the cartridge slot in it, though, so you could play it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Backwards compatible. Yeah. Uh, it was also released for the DS. Uh, well, it was for the, at least for the eShop mm-hmm. uh, and on Wii U. So hopefully. You still consider it uh, console exclusive? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think the original release is what counts. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. At the time. Yeah. yeah you want to talk about the original release yeah. window? Otherwise, you can't nail down a year. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good suggestion, Alan from Norfolk, Virginia. If you have your own twenty questions suggestions, send them to gamescoop at ign.com. That is all the scoops we have for you this week. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Philip. Yep. Uh, real quick, real quick. What, what's everybody going to play over the weekend? I'm still finishing up the uh, Zelda DLC. Nice. I finished that. I loved it. I'm playing Stardew Valley like crazy right now. My oh, cool. hands hurt from holding the you and Switch Chrissy so Teigen. Much. 
Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I should hit her up. Sam and Chrissy. New show. Sam and Chrissy. <laughs> I'd watch that Let's Play. Yeah. I am playing this brand new Switch game. Um, it's a lot like a little game called Portal, uh, but it's called Chroma Gun. Um, oh. Yeah, it comes out next week, I believe. So look forward to my thoughts on that very soon. Is it first person? Uh, yeah, Portal? first person. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm still playing through Persona 5 because I love that game and it will never end and that's okay with me. How many uh, I'm, levels are you I'm up in? to the fifth palace. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I'm in two still. Okay. Uh, and I want to give a shout out. There's a fan made Game Scoop fan page on Facebook, uh, and everyone's very nice and fun in there. And they're always uh, just uh, talking about what games they're playing and what they're going to be playing over the weekend. So check it out if you want to hang out with some fellow Game Scoop listeners over on Facebook. Easy to find. Easy to find. I mean, games, just search Game Scoop on Facebook. All right. Uh, that's all the scoops that we have for you this week. I already thanked everybody. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop. We're out.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.